You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah youths. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Recording in the Vivid Scene Studio, this is the Utah Man Podcast. On this episode, we're breaking down Utah, Washington State. Looking forward to a bye week for the Utes, and we're joined by Porter Larson from ESPN 700. I'm Cameron, and don't call him fat, dumb, happy, or entitled. We got Ryan. Wait a minute. And Scott. Hey, there, there you go, Leech. Way to throw your team under the bus. Gotta love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're dancing on the ceiling after that game. As we should. And they should play this during the game. I'll tell you, this is this is a perfect lead-in to uh, the music of uh, Rice-Eccles Stadium during games. I mean, who wouldn't like this over Sweet Caroline? I was going to say Lionel, Lionel Richie or Neil Diamond. Oh, what a feeling. I think Kyle would just start rocking out on the sideline during to this. <laughs> All right, so Utah gets the victory over Washington State, 38-13. to Holy cow, what a beatdown. I don't think anyone expected that to happen. I mean, Vegas only had this as a five-point game, and even I thought that was too big. I was thinking it was going to come down to a field goal or whatnot. 38-13, to and it wasn't even close in that second half. Washington State gets shut out. They ran three plays in the third quarter. That was fantastic. The, that was that was one of the most complete games I've seen from a Utah football team in a long, I mean, long time. The game and clock management that Utah displayed in that in that game was unbelievable. I mean, just the ball control and the and the when they would substitute, taking our time to substitute out. Uh, just to run the clock, it was I, it was fantastic. I think that's why Leach was uh, was throwing his team under the bus because he got thoroughly outcoached, and he didn't want to talk about that. I mean, from across the board, be- absolutely beautiful game plan from Andy Ludwig and 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 Tyler Huntley was sexy. I mean, it was he was amazing. One best the best game as a U that I think he's played, and then. We'll talk about it, but what a bounce back for that defense. That secondary played lights out. Holding Washington State to 13 points, that is the fewest amount of points that Washington State has scored in two seasons. Absolutely insane. It was a fantastic scheme and and well executed. I mean, this you can have the best scheme and not execute as we saw the a week, previous week. A week before, yeah. So as we get into this game, kind of breaking it down uh, from an offensive-defensive standpoint, uh, we do want to let you know a great promotion going on right now with Vivid Seats. So right now, if you sign up on our mobile app, and you have to be a first-time user, but if you use promo code OVERTIME, it's one word, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, you can get $100 off all ticket purchases. So go check that out at Vivid Seats mobile app. Use promo code OVERTIME. All right, so since the game's ended, I've, I've been really excited. I wanted to talk about Huntley. Obviously, I'm still kind of hoarse from the game. Great atmosphere. By the long face. <laughs> That's a dad joke. But Tyler Huntley, 21 of 30, 334 yards, 
averaged 11 yards a completion uh, compared to Anthony Gordon, who averaged five yards, two TDs in the air, two two touchdowns on the ground. Huntley's, I mean, I know a lot of people are saying this is Huntley's best game as a Ute, and I honestly agree. He was electric. He was he was just on fire the entire game. Well, it's beyond just the stat line. I mean, you look across the board, 21 of 30, 334 yards, four total touchdowns. So the stats alone, he was amazing. But he was doing that with an offensive line that was literally consistently giving him no time. I, I, was, I was so impressed with his ability to slide in the pocket, to step up in the pocket, keep his eyes downfield, and with guys in his face... He was able to outlet the ball to his third receiver on a rope. Yeah, there were definitely times where he had uh, his his line let him down, but I wouldn't say consistently. I thought the line played quite a bit better. I thought the line was a lot better compared to USC. Now Granted, I don't think defense. I don't think Washington State's defensive line yes ex- compares to exactly. USC. Yeah, was it better than USC? But but he he had pressure in his face. I would say pretty consistently throughout the night. He he did. I mean, the the one comes to mind right off the top of my head was, uh, I believe, it was a fourth down conversion where he was just try. He almost got sacked. I thought he was going to get stripped, and somehow we found Brumfield, and then Brumfield uh, rumbled forward for for about two and a half yards yep. to get that first down. Now, I I I thought it was it was such an impressive because the the thing the thing outside of that, some of those some of those series were in complete downpours wet ball, and he is on the move, throwing the ball 30 yards down the field on a rope, hitting guys in the chest. It was it was a masterful performance. And, you know, I don't want this performance to take away really from what he's done the whole season because he's really been doing this throughout. He he He's playing at, at a level that we as a Utah football fans have not seen from our quarterback in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And to think that he did it all wearing a boot on one leg. <laughs> I think Pretty lo- impressive. <laughs> I think a lot of credit also has to go with Andy Ludwig. I honestly thought Utah was going to come in and try to run the game. I thought Utah was going to come in and try to run the ball as much as possible. Uh, even with Zach Moss being out, I thought kind of the recipe for success was really pound the ball, just keep long drives going. Uh, but I think Andy kind of flipped the script on it and, and really made – the passing more the focal point of the offense, and and it worked. And I've I've noticed that a couple of times this season. I think we talked a little bit about that against when we played Idaho State. I thought you know we thought they just come out and run the ball quite a bit, and they threw it a lot. And and I think maybe we've underestimated Andy Ludwig because I thought the focal point of this offense was going to be Zach Moss, Zach Moss, Zach Moss, throwing a pass here and there, and it's so diverse. I mean. You have to the def- the defenders have to defend every single player on the field. Well, and if you thought our secondary struggled against USC, you you turn on that tape. Ludwig was going to see how bad Washington State's secondary is. So, a good coach is going to take advantage of that. I mean, Nakua's touchdown there wasn't anybody within five yards of him. It was a great crossing. S- Simpkins by... dropped touchdown. Nobody within five yards yeah. of him. I mean, even Brian Thompson's long, long pass in that first series down the sideline, wide open. Their secondary was was not good, but they got better as the game played as the game went on. Um, but Utah continued to get chunks and big plays after big play in the passing game, 
And and I love that. I love what Ludwig is doing because he's taking advantage of the talent that he has. Yes, do you have a great running back and and the strength of this O line is the is the run game, not necessarily the pass protection. But when you got a quarterback in Tyler Huntley, you got to utilize him, and and he is. And on top of that, the our wide receivers are starting to really kind of break out. I think Brian Thompson, we've got a legit number one wide out now. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, Brian Thompson to me has really been the best route runner yeah, so well, far this season. Well, and he he's he's producing. Across the board, he's he he's got he's got the most catches, and by a, a wide margin, he's got the most receiving yards on this team. He and and he's not he's not just having a couple big games, and then he disappears for a couple games. He's been consistent. He's been getting open. He's been catching the ball when it comes to him, and and then you've got guys around him who are starting to kind of come into their own. Nakua, it was good to see him get get some more reps, and then take advantage of those reps. Solomon Enos, finally, they threw the ball to Solomon Enos, had a few big plays. He was too wide open on that one, but he still recovered. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> well, I think that just shows just how athletic he is and, and really what a great wide receiver he is. That He, yes, bobbled it, but he was able to bring it back in and know where he was on the field to get that toe down. Uh, a beautiful play. Uh, to, to your credit, Scott, looks like nine receivers um, caught the ball, just kind of spread the spreading the ball all over the field. Uh, for Utah, uh, I know we were talking a lot about the passing game, but I, I, I do want to give credit to, to the running backs. Uh, Devonta Henry Cole came in, 15 carries, 78 yards. Uh, Brumfield came in, had a, a couple uh, carries. But Jason Shelley, that package bringing Shelley in, uh, they only did it a few times and they never passed out of it, but I like it. I like getting Shelley out on the field on those. It makes defenses having to worry about it. And another thing, for them to prepare. Now I want to see a little bit more with it. Let and, him throw out of it. And, and you know, that was not just put in just to get a few extra yards. That was put in to set something up down the road. I agree. I think there's more to that package. But I also, and I commented to Cameron since Scott didn't sit with us at the game on. Yeah, Scott was a little hoity-toity. I was with my rich friends. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you were. But I, I made a comment to Cam during the game that I thought that this, they, they, partly utilize this package to eliminate Huntley taking so many hits because it's the same effect. If you're going to run the quarterback, don't run your starter. Who's going to get hit, run, run the backup. No, and I, I think, I think it's good. It's good to get, uh, to get Shelly involved, right? Just mentally from a mental aspect, get him some reps, get him, keep him in the game. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I think you're going to see that package continue to develop as the year goes on. You're going to see, Probably some trick plays, a, 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 a pass out of that formation, uh, you know, maybe even quite a bit. So, um, but that's the thing Ludwig does is he calls plays to set up other plays, and he puts stuff on film to set up other things down it, the road. I mean, a jet sweep to the tight end. How, who do you? Who? What offense runs that? Who's got the personnel to run that? Who? Who honestly, well, it, when they're game planning for the weeks, like yeah, let's let's get our our tight end in the run game going here. And one package, I know, Ryan, you pointed out in the game, the three wide receiver, the three tight ends. Oh, and they they, they didn't get to run it because there was a timeout by Washington. But just another package, mm-hmm. another. You I know, can't wait to that see when they in. bring that back. What that is, because I mean, obviously, Washington State saw something that they weren't going to be able to defend, so they quickly called timeout. Not not to mention, I think at some point 
Ludwig's going to bring the duck back. <laughs> We're going to see it. So I know we, we've been talking, you know, a lot of roses right now with the offense. Um, I kind of do want to talk maybe some some things they can work on, some maybe some negative things, uh, especially coming in this this bye week. And tight ends. I think in the off season we we talked a lot about them. Uh, Keithy and Fatherhand they've had great moments uh, during the first five games. They didn't even have a catch this last game, and I don't. I'm gonna throw it to you guys. I don't even know what what's going on there. Is it is it scheming wise that that you think maybe that they're just not getting in positions to get open, or is Huntley not seeing them? He's going for 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 deeper wide receivers. But I, I've kind of been disappointed with the tight end so far. Well, I I, I think they've been okay. I mean, I, to me, the disappointment is is that we haven't gotten more out of Fotheringham at this point. He's uh, I think he's only got five catches on the season for thirty some odd yards. So he. And coming into the season, we all expected him to maybe be the leading pass catcher mm-hmm. out of the out of the out of, not o- not only out of the tight ends but out of the entire wide receiver group, and and it just hasn't materialized into that. Now Keithy Keithy's getting a number of uh, of of attempts and and uh, and has done pretty well. Actually, Thedford did get a catch. Yeah, he yeah, did. Thedford was he the landed only on his head tight end, and, and he literally had, he literally had his legs taken out. But uh, no, I to me it is a little bit of a disappointment that we haven't seen him more. But but I think in in that game, obviously, you know, defenses are going to scheme, right? They're going to they're going to scheme to take certain uh, certain parts of of an offense away. Obviously, the ground game is always going to be a focus. But against that Washington State team, we attacked the edges through the air. We we weren't really throwing down the middle all that much. And and you know on something like that you're gonna you're just gonna have your wide receivers more involved in 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 that type of uh, in that type of situation. I do hope that uh, as the season progresses that we can continue to get uh, the wide or excuse me the tight ends more involved because I think that's just gonna help the offense in general having having so many guys that can produce and get open and catch the ball for Tyler. And I agree with all that, Scott. And I just before you go, Ryan, I just want to preface. I was not trying to talk crap on on any of the tight ends. I just I just don't think they're being a, a, as a focal point of the offense. As I, I thought we th- was what we all thought at the beginning of the year. Go ahead, Ray. I just think it's punishment because they don't have a block yet. <laughs> I, they were better in the second I mean, half. I say that jokingly, but we all know that they've had both their, of they've them had their struggles, missed some missed some blocks in some key situations. And so is the uh, so is uh, the offensive line. So have wide receivers. It's not just them. But if we're talking about areas where they can improve going into this bye week and for the rest of the season, I think the tight end can really improve in their blocking. And then I think the other area they the offense I think needs to get better, especially in this off this bye week, short down yardage. Oh, it's it's it, it's, it's still been, it's, all, it's all been season. surprisingly really bad. And I'll give Andy Ludwig some credit. You know, when it didn't work early against Washington State, he got a little bit more creative. Well, As they start. It, they gave Vickers uh, on a fly sweep, I believe. Uh, the, what we mentioned with Keithy, so they tried to do a little bit more, a little bit different, kind of get those edges on those short yardage. But still, I mean, five games in, and you're still having issues on third and one. Vickers, that was like a rainbow sweep, man. Well, that's that's not the first time they've done. I mean, I saw it last week against USC. It's like an it starts to look like a, a jet sweep, but then he goes in the backfield, gets the handoff, and it's like he's got a running start. But then he 
doesn't go outside. He like cuts it up the middle. So you know, it's a different look. Well, and, and and they've done it a number of times where they haven't given him the ball. Um, and I think that's, you know, down the road, that's going to open up for, he, he continues into a route for a pass. But nonetheless, I, they, they've struggled that in the, in that Washington state game, they did do some different formations, which was good to see. Um, but, but this offensive line is not getting any push in those short yardage situations. And yes, does, does Ludwig probably need to be a little bit more creative and, and I would like to actually see him throw the ball a little bit more on third and one, fourth and one, just just to keep the defense guessing and 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 not go with the the routine of what the what the what the defense ex, defense expects them to go with. But at the end of the day, if you're going to run it, and even if the defense knows you're going to run it, you just got to win the play. You have got to blow your guy off the line and let your running back just fall on the top of you and get that yard because that's what we're not doing. It's third and one. It's fourth and ones that we're felling on. It's not third and five. It's one to two yards that we're just not able to get over and over and over again. And that ha- that has got to get fixed. The O line has got to got to be better off the ball. the the only, The only other thing, obviously, we're just you know critique of of anything is it penalties. Still, still, you're seeing too many costly penalties. Obviously, there wasn't as many holding penalties uh, this week as there was against USC. But some dumb, but they're just foul. dumb, yeah. undisciplined guys. Just not obviously not using the correct technique. Still, well, and 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 Yumana goes and tries to blow a guy off of the top of the pile oh, after yeah, the whistle, yeah, 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 which yeah. is just it's just not needed. And some of these things. Now, one of those happened literally right in front of me. It was on, I believe it was on Bruffton or or Rawls. I think it was Rawls. Just a special team guy. They were literally, had blown the whistle dead. The kickoff went to the the back of the end zone. And and he he puts his hand on this guy's face mask. The guy does it right back to him and they throw the flag on him. When the play was over. It was away from the ball. It was just one of those things. I'm looking at the ref like, really, why does that need to be called? These are two special teamers away from the ball. Had nothing to do with it. Just leave it alone. But that's you know, that's Pac-12 refs for you. It is, but the but Utah does need to be more disciplined in all in some of those areas. And 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 obviously. This wasn't a close game, so those those types of penalties aren't necessarily gonna gonna hurt you. But in a close game, where it uh, where it derails a drive, that could be crucial. So a couple of things that they need to 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 fix and and clean up a little bit. But overall, wonderful performance from the offensive offensive group. All right, kind of shifting our attention now to the defense. Beautiful scheme by Scally and company. The the fact that what they did the week before against USC, and obviously, I mean, we talked about it how. I think a lot of it just had to do with, with with the players, not necessarily the coaching in that game. But to have three safeties through much of the game against Washington State and really having the faith to get pressure with just three guys on the line, it it, it worked out phenomenal. Oh, it was it was it was masterful. And and not only was the scheme good, because everybody wanted to talk about how the scheme was was bad against USC, but it really wasn't. It was the fact that guys weren't making plays because they were in position a number of times, but not in th- this week against Washington State. The scheme was beautiful. 
but the guys were making plays when they had the chance. Well, and I think you just saw that on the sidelines. They seemed like they were into the game. They're loose. They were kind of dancing with the music. They were. I mean, if you've seen uh, on Twitter with, with Shelly jumping on, on Huntley, uh, it just seemed like the team was just more in the game this week compared to last week against USC. They kind of were a little bit deer in the headlights on mm-hmm. TV. Uh, but but with that defense, they it just looked like they played loose, uh, and, and they were ready for for what uh, Washington State was throwing. I don't know. Francis Bernard said on on the play that he went in and just blew up uh, Borgie on the little shovel pass. He 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 saw that on film, knew it was coming on his pick. He said, "I saw that on film. I knew exactly where it was coming." To, That's a credit to them for the film study they put in. And and having a loss, getting that bad taste out of your mouth, what Whittingham talked about all week, the the players were putting time in and it showed. And then it, I think it reflects on the field, how they were playing, loose, having fun. And, and Scott, you were sitting with the rich folk right behind Washington State, and you even said to Ryan and I about how Washington just didn't didn't seem like they were interested. We stole their soul. No, I mean, it was, it was, it really was. I mean, Washington in that second half, I mean, there was no urgency. Even their drive, that long drive in the uh, start of the fourth quarter where we held them on the goal line on fourth down, they burned seven, nearly seven minutes of clock themselves on that drive. Yeah. I mean, which is, which is not like their offense. No, there, there was no hurry out of them and, and the sideline was dead. But I, but I honestly think to an, to an a point, and and uh, and Leach talked about this. They got punched in the mouth, and they they were done. Yeah, they didn't fight back whatsoever. And but but that doesn't take away from the performance of that 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 defense put together, because I mean, you look across the board. This is a team that we held them thirty nine points under their average. 39, I mean, there's a lot of teams that don't even average 39 points. 39 points under their average. You held them scoreless in the second half. They they threw for 313, or excuse me, 313 total yards. They averaged 605. They averaged 499 through the air. They threw for 252. We absolutely decimated them. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, I mean, that, it goes back to the scheme and the execution. I mean, we've all watched Washington State since Leach has gotten there and the, and how he operates. Most of, most of what they get is yards after the catch. Short, sometimes short passes or mid-range passes, and then the receivers make plays after the, after the fact. There was no yards after the catch. I mean, they were giving up underneath stuff. Nothing after that. Well, the tackling was really good, and yeah, I mean, you you mentioned it. They they would take guys deep, and then they show that little out pattern to uh, to a, to a running back, yeah, kind of their check down. Yeah, and 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 a couple of times they got some decent yardage out of it, but consistently, our guy, the first guy there, was making the tackle and not letting them get extra yards, which was which was huge. It limits their first downs. I mean, we 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 had way more first downs than they did. Time of possession was was ridiculous um, across the board. I mean, I I I really I really can't uh, can't say enough good things about that performance, and it and it shows you that the pride that that unit has after a bad performance. I swear, a little disappointing how many in our fan base were literally just giving up on the Utes 
after that game and and how bad our secondary is. Oh, what's what's Leach, what is Leach gonna do to us? And and they bounced back like that, and it was it was pretty it was fun to watch. And Blackman, I mean, I mean, a lot, all of them across the board bounced back, but Blackman really bounced back. That that uh, fourth down stop in the at the well, goal that, line that closeout. I mean, he, he he saw that coming and just closed. Had the perfect angle, made a great tackle. He was like in the middle of the end zone. Oh, yeah. and and ran out and got that. And then the other one, that pass play, uh, pass breakup that he had in the end zone, he almost picked oh, off. Yeah. Yep. I mean, the Blackman, after you know having that injury, missing some some time, trying to come back, really showed well. So, so as we're talking, a thought kind of came to me, and there's a big difference between these two programs, and I think it starts with the head coach. Both teams, prior weeks, had very disappointing games. And you saw which team came out flat, didn't want to be there, maybe still a little hungover from losing to UCLA the week before, and you have a team in Utah that came out prepared, ready, and just p- punched Washington State in the mouth. And then I think it, it goes on even in the post game. I know we kind of joked. I joked at the beginning about calling you guys lazy or entitled, <laughs> and fat, and uh, well, I'm fat. That comment, and I know that's kind of. And a lot of people have, have talked about it. And I'm perky. I know a lot of people have talked about it, and we don't need to go too too down this road. Um, but honestly, I just think it shows. The, the type of program that these these guys run. And I'm not taking anything from away from Leach because he's a great offensive mind. He's turned around Washington State immensely and, and, and to win in Pullman is not easy to do. But I'm really happy with how Winningham handles his business. Here's an unpopular take. Everybody, you fans included, everybody in the country loves Coach Leach, right? Because he's funny, because he talks about weird things, because he's not, he doesn't give coach talk. He's, he's different. And for interview purposes, that's great. But did you notice how many interviews he did this week with Utah Media? And you, you know he's doing that week in and week out with every team that he plays. Mm-hmm. It, it, it kind of gets a little old. And 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 how I mean he does this every year. Whenever they lose, he throws his team under the bus and calls them names. I mean, at the end of the day, he's he's an offensive genius, and that's why he's successful as a coach. I'm not sure how great of a real coach he really is. He he does. He obviously clearly doesn't take responsibility for. I mean, he's the head coach. He's the end all be all with that team, and he and, and you know that's got to rub the locker room. The wrong way oh, yeah. a little bit. Maybe that's why they're not responding. You know, I I don't know, and you know, we I don't want to I don't want to get too deep into this, and and uh, we're just kind of talking out uh, out uh, out of our ears on this a little bit. But it does seem a little bizarre his approach, and um, as it is entertaining from a distance. But I'll tell you what, I don't want him being my my team's head coach. And they may turn it around and win a bunch of games for the rest of the season, and we'll we'll be. Just glad that we've already played him, <laughs> but uh, and and I'm not, I'm not sure he actually uh, d- does. The defensive coordinator on that team get paid? Is that a paid job? <laughs> this he, year, I wouldn't say so. In the past couple of years, they've had a, a they, good they defenses, hit, but before that, they were atrocious. No, but then this year, they caught they, they kind of caught lightning in a bottle, I think. And uh, man, they were they were something else. But uh, he, he probably has them locked in the shed. He probably does. <laughs> Everybody needs some quiet time and go play in the darkness. In the boo box. 
All right, so I think that will kind of do it for our thoughts um, of the game. And it looks like we do have Porter Larson on the phone. And before we bring him in, let you know that interview is brought to you by Double Tree Suites by Hilton in Salt Lake City. They're located at 110 West, 600 South. Give them a call at 801-359-7800. Or you can always check them out at Hilton.com. All right, joining on the phone now is Porter Larson from ESPN 700. Porter, how are you doing, buddy? Doing well, guys. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it, as always. Hey, you know, you're making your debut on the podcast, so thank you for taking time out of your busy day. I know how hard you work running Bill's show. You're always up at practice getting interviews. So the fact that you could squeeze out a couple minutes for us, very much appreciative. My first question to you, Porter Tyler Huntley's getting a lot of praise. We've talked about him a lot tonight, just how well he's playing. Uh, but someone in the media that has really followed Huntley from his freshman year all the way to his senior year, what are you seeing out of him this year that you think he's really improved on? And, and what's kind of like the number one thing that, that you're liking what he's doing right now? That, the question you posed was, where have you seen him grow the most? And besides his arms, I think, you know, I've seen him grow a lot. And, and that's not to say he wasn't talented when he got here before, because I mean, Tyler's skill and, and his arm talent have been really on full display from the start, right? We saw the, the, the crazy plays that he made, the one footed bomb right on target, 40, 40 yards downfield, shaking off defenders on that fourth and one conversion against Washington state, uh, stuff like that, right? That, that he, that's why he was able to win the job over an incumbent starter. That's why the youth brought him here. Uh, but there was still there was still some room for growth in some other other areas, and and there still are. But I've seen him make some major strides in the right direction when it comes to the the subtleties of playing the quarterback position. Uh, his footwork has vastly improved. His ability to assess the defense not only pre snap, uh, but also just throughout the course of a game has improved tremendously. And and I think that's a testament to Andy Ludwig. Really, he he's a guy who puts in a lot of time in the film room. And I know spends a lot of one-on-one time with Andy Ludwig, who really helps him in this in this whole system. And I think the biggest improvement might be uh, with his progressions. Right, there was a time when watching Tyler, he was he was a little predictable. Uh, he would telegraph, and what I mean by that is that he would kind of stare down his receivers, and he had the accuracy and the talent to kind of get away with that. Right, he fit into tight holes even with good coverage. Uh, but now you watch him. He's able to sit in the pocket, step up in the pocket, get to his second and third options, and then he's still able to make accurate throws downfield. I think, I think that's probably what's changed the most between now and his sophomore campaign. Tyler's been playing at a, obviously a really high level this year, um, but even going back to last year, prior to his injury, you know, he he had really come into his own, was 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 playing at such a high level. Obviously, Andy Ludwig coming in, this, this type of offense helps him. It, it suits what Tyler does well. In your opinion, what is the biggest thing that, that Andy brings to the table that has, that has helped this offense? I think it's the fact that he's able to, to mold, mold the system around player strengths, right? Um, I, I, in a lot of ways, I like what Troy Taylor did. I, I didn't like some of the, the, certain intricacies of the iPhone offense that they like to call it. Uh, but I liked a lot of the things he did, but the, the one thing that I didn't like was the fact that he wouldn't move players around to fit their strengths. I think Andy Ludwig does a really good job of doing that. 
um, and and playing into Tyler Tyler Huntley's strengths, which are, you know, using his his athleticism. It's it's the short game. It's it's picking those opportunities down the field uh, so that when those deep balls do come, they're successful. And I think that that Andy is really good at, at not only finding those players' strengths, but designing an offense around those strengths in a way that that allows them to be successful. Uh, you saw it with that, and you mentioned it. Uh, he he was good in Troy Taylor's offense too before he got injured. I went back and looked, and I I tweeted these stats out earlier this morning. His last nine full games, which go back to uh, the start of that four game stretch last year, 151 of 204, 2,025 yards, 14 touchdowns, and two interceptions. Uh, in addition to that, he's got five on the ground and a receiving touchdown. So his touchdown to turnover ratio since those since that. Uh, run of four games last season is 10 to one pretty impressive stuff from him. But I think it, it is a testament to Andy Ludwig and, and how he's able to, to fit guys into a system rather than, than kind of forcing them into, to working with the system that he already has. Hey Porter. So with Moss and his injury, if he's out, any extended period of time, are you, do you have any concerns moving forward or do you think just, the depth we have at running back will will be all right moving forward. Um, that's, that's a that's a good question, and it's got a couple different answers. I'm not really concerned at the moment. You know, there's a few reasons for that. Number one is that that Utah has a healthy, stable back, like you mentioned, uh, Devontae Henry, Cole, Devin Brumfield, Jordan Wilmore, among others. Uh, and secondly, Ludwig has shown the ability to to use other weapons out of the backfield effectively. You saw Vickers get in the end zone last week. You see Jalen Dixon on fly sweeps. Hell, you even saw Brant Keefe take a handoff on Saturday. You're not going to get the same production between the tackles, but Utah has shown that they can work around that. Uh, and, and lastly, you have a, a bye right here to get healthier, right? You have, you have plenty of time off. And then you have an Oregon State team who, you know, I don't think Utah should have any issues with, even without a Zach Moss. So even though it sounds like he may play on October 12th, I wouldn't be worried one bit if his hi- if his hiatus lasts a little longer than that, just because I- I've seen enough from this Utah offense to think that they can get along without Zach Moss, at least for the time being. Now, if they want to make a Pac-12 title run and maybe get to a Rose Bowl, then that's a different conversation. Zach will have to be in the lineup later on this season, uh, but I think that the, the youth can get through a few weeks and, and definitely – allow him some time to, to really get healthy. So, Porter, I think this last game against Washington State, the secondary for Utah played extremely well, kind of opposite um, of, of what they did against uh, USC. Guys were in position, but we're now making a lot of great plays held in Washington State to, to blow averages um, all across the board. Do you feel that the secondary for Utah can kind of stay at this high level or can you see a situation where they may regress and kind of play like they did against USC? I I think that they can absolutely stay at this level. Uh, that was the best passing attack in the country going into Saturday, and Utah shut them down. I think the USC performance was more of an anomaly. Uh, it, it came in the first conference game of the year, so I understand why some fans and, and some other folks got a little anxious about it. Uh, but for guys like you and I who get to see a lot of reps on the practice field and throughout the year, I think we knew that those struggles were uncharacteristic. Julian Blackman mistiming jump balls and taking wrong angles. Uh, Jalen Johnson finding himself a little out of position. 
those are things we don't really see very often and things I don't expect to see much of going forward. But not, not to bail these guys out because that wasn't a great look at the Coliseum, right? But USC has, has one of the top four or five most, most talented wide receiver corps in the nation. Multiple guys who are going to be productive on Sundays are on that roster. Uh, and it's, it's an understandable and kind of a, I, I wouldn't say predictable outcome against USC because they could have definitely played better. Uh, but Julian Blackman wasn't a hundred percent. He had a, he had a bad wheel against USC. And then I think there was a lot of uncharacteristic mistakes. I see that as more of an anomaly and, and I don't really see them regressing back to that, especially considering the fact that they won't have to face a, a wide receiver core that's that talented again. Give us your thoughts on the linebacking position. Obviously, Francis Bernard is living up to the expectations that we all had for him preseason. Manny Bowen, supposed to be the starter, leaves right before fall camp, leaves a hole there. But uh, Devin Lloyd, who, uh, you know, we, we had a lot of promise in him, th- thought a lot of that he could potentially be a pretty good player down the road. But instantly, you know, from game one, he leads the team in, in, in tackles on the season so far. What, what does he mean to this defense? And, and it, 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 how big of a surprise is his production at this point? I would say it, it's not all that surprising to see how quickly he's kind of acclimated because you, you heard it throughout spring, you heard it in fall camp. Kyle Whittingham's been really, really high on this guy. And if Kyle Whittingham is high on a linebacker, you should probably listen to that, right? Um, he, he's a guy who has the body of an NFL linebacker. He has all the tools, all the intangibles to be really good at that position. And alongside him, he has Francis Bernard, who has truly de- rededicated himself to the game of football. He is a film junkie. He is always in, in the weight room. He is always in coaches' meetings. And right alongside him is Devin Lloyd. So those two guys together, not only do they have the physical traits to be really, really good, but they put in the time. And they're always scouting the other team. They're always watching film. They're always communicating between each other. And I think they, both being on the roster behind Cody Barton and Chase Hansen, learned a lot from those two guys. And you're kind of seeing that relationship take take shape. Uh, and I think, honestly, you're only going to see them get better as the season goes on because they, they are still a little bit in the adolescence of, of their continuity as a unit. Switching gears to, to special teams, what uh, what are your thoughts on the on place kicking? Obviously, uh, Redding won the job during uh, the first game of the year and has done fairly well, but then uh, uh, missed an early one the other night. Is it, does Whitting have, have, have confidence in him moving forward? I think he does have confidence in Jade Redding, um, but at the same time, with the guy who doesn't have much patience, as we've seen with with mistakes at that position, I think Redding has the job, and, and we're going to see that going forward. Uh, but we do need to see some more productivity. I don't think it's all on Jade Redding. I think that whole unit, frankly, hasn't had to do much. They haven't been asked to to do anything in pressure situations, right? Uh, so I think at this point, the trust might not be there. You won't see the field goal unit march out to 50 yarders. You won't, you know, you may see Witt going for it more often in short yardage. Uh, but that being said, then you can gain a whole lot of trust or lose a whole lot of trust with just one swing of the leg. So once those pressure situations do come down the pipe, the ones that we haven't necessarily seen much of the situation, 
I, I think we'll we'll really find out just how much trust he has in those in in that unit because yeah, like I said, right now we haven't seen much of it or needed much of it. Uh, but come Washington or or come later in the season and maybe into Pac-12 title play, uh, you're going to need it. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays down plays out down the home stretch. You brought up an interesting point there in your answer that uh, I think all of us have talked about a little bit in the Utes in short yardage situations, whether it's third down or fourth down. They haven't been great. We saw. Right. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, It's hard because I I have had a little bit of uh, trouble with some of the play calling, right? And and this whole interview, I've been harping on how great Andy Ludwig is. So it's, it's a little bit of a flip off of that. Uh, I don't like the read option in short yardage, especially when you are are a team who prides themselves on on really man on man. You are going to be bigger and more physical and, and better than the guy across from you. I think, and it's harder without Zach Moss, right? When you don't have a guy, you can just hand in the ball and say get one yard. Uh, it's a, it's a little harder to scheme around that. But I, I would like to see a little more of just. Give me a jumbo package, and and if it's fourth and one or or third and inches, just run it up the team's throat. We don't need to get too cute. You don't need to get too fancy. Going in a shotgun and and giving a read option is only making it so you're six yards farther from the line to gain, right? And sometimes I don't necessarily like that strategy, um, but at the same time. There, there are a lot of problems with that because you see a lot of teams that do just try and run it up the gut and and their stuff because that's that's what the other team knows they're going to do. So there's a there's a lot of things that go into short yardage situations, uh, play calling, one on one matchup that that have to get better. At the end of the day, though, it, it's just all about execution and and whether it's Tyler Huntley going out on a boot or or just running it up the gut between the tackles, I think you need to see a little bit more from the offensive line getting a push on those type of plays and, and then more execution on the back end. But like I said, I, I'd love to never see the read option again in a, in a fourth and one situation. My, my thoughts exactly. I wish they'd just bring Lecky Foto out in fullback and just let him bust hey, the hole right up the middle. <laughs> why, why not? Why not? You saw the Cincinnati Bengals. The Cincinnati Bengals did that with... Uh, I'm blanking on his name now. They did that for years with that guy, and it works. If you can clear a hole and, and put Zach Moss up behind it, you're going to get a yard. Absolutely. Uh, so in, the, yeah, in those short yardage situations, I honestly don't hate that idea. Maybe not. Maybe it doesn't have to be lucky, but uh, throw Cole Fotheringham at fullback and do some of those things as well. I don't know. It, it's something that it'll be interesting to see because they, they do need to make a few twerks in, in that short yardage game for sure. Hey Porter, just last question before we uh, before we let you go. After five games in, what's kind of been the biggest surprise for you? You know, as you've covered this Utah team all through spring and fall, uh, and now through five games, what what's been the biggest surprise? Um, the biggest surprise to me has been these last two weeks. Honestly, I, I didn't envision the last two games going how they did at all. As we talked about earlier, I think the USC game was kind of an anomaly. I didn't think that, that Utah would be able to dispatch a high-powered offense like you, Washington State so easily. So if you asked me three weeks ago, I would have told you that Utah would roll USC and that Wazoo would be a heavyweight fistfight. It, it kind of goes to show that the team, if the team can shift their focus and make those valleys a little higher, 
they can they can really be dominant. I think that's the most surprising thing for me is these last two weeks and how they've unfolded. Uh, so people can find you on on ESPN seven hundred again. You know, doing the Bill Riley show. I mean, you're all over the place doing pregame, postgame on seven hundred. Where where can people find you on social media? So yeah, Twitter's the best place, and then you guys can all follow me at Larson underscore ESPN. Uh, I put a lot of stuff there, game day and really every day uh, for youth coverage. And like you said, uh, Bill Riley show from 11 to 2 on ESPN 700. I do the pre and post game shows on game days. Those usually start about four hours before kickoff. So yeah, we have game day coverage for like 10, 12 hours usually uh, on game days, and I'm usually on on the on each side of of, of the network broadcast. So. You can find me there, and then I love always hearing from you. The Ute React shows, the call-in show, so we can talk with some fans and whatnot. Uh, but, yeah, you can kind of find me all over the place when it has to do with Utah football. Awesome. Porter, thanks so much for jumping on, buddy. Take care. Appreciate it, guys. You have a good one now. Thanks, Porter. Thank you. Some really interesting things from from Porter on that interview. And I think what he said with the third down, uh, Ryan, you asked him about, the, about third down. Um, I completely agree with him. I, I think – yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with play calling and Zach Moss being out. Yeah, I, I would I would agree too that some of the plays we've seen called on short yardage situations just don't just don't bode well for uh, short yardage situations. So when you when it takes too long to develop in the backfield, it gives the defense a chance to read it and figure out what's going on. And to this point. They haven't been that that successful. Well, and, and our short yardage problems aren't really tied to Zach Moss because we were having him while he was still healthy mm-hmm. and playing. So um, getting him back, obviously, is going to be huge. But I, I really can't say enough about uh, the guys behind him. You know, Wilmore, when he's gotten opportunities, Brumfield and, and Devonta Henry Cool, who I think, in my opinion, I think Devonta Henry Cool starting to separate himself as the number two back. <laughs> He, I mean, he yeah, he he had that touchdown where he got out around the edge. He's so fast, but late in the game, he was running between the tackles and picking up yardage. So, he pretty much got all the fourth quarter carries. Mm-hmm. So he he's kind of coming on, and and it's 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 kind of uh, good to see because he's you know obviously last year he was out with uh, red shirt um, due to the injury. Um, and you know he's kind of been in the program a number of years now, so it's it's kind of good to see him. Uh, not only get that opportunity, but take advantage of it. But I, I think he's doing really well. But I mean, if you look at you look at Brumfield, you look at Wilmore, they're all getting roughly the same amount of carries, and they all have the same kind of amount of yardage. So they're all producing. Um, but it'll be interesting to see who really becomes that that number two uh, once Moss is back. All right, so we don't have a game to break down this week because of the bye. So I think what we'll do, let, let's kind of give an offensive and defensive players. Both that maybe we want to see a little bit more after the bye week, and, and then and then two players who we think have been having a great season so far. So Scott, let's kick it over to you. Your offensive defensive players that you that you want to see a little bit more, see a little bit more week. from. So offensively, I mean, going into this season, we we all thought tight end would be would be just a feature um, out of this offense, and and Cole Fotheringham really was kind of the guy that we all expected would be maybe even lead the team in catches. So far, I mean, I, I I'm 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 just surprised we have not seen more out of out of him in the passing game. He's got five receptions on the season, but it's been it's been pretty quiet. So he he's he's somebody after this bye week. I love to see him get a little bit more involved, and because he's a weapon and. And I think he could. I think he could. 
next uh, next to Kuthi really uh, really uh, helped that passing attack. Defensively, I got to go with Max Tupai. I mean, he was he was absolutely a beast. He came out of nowhere what about a month into the season last year and when we really weren't expecting him and he just turned into an absolute stud. Maybe maybe that f- the first month is uh, it takes him a little while to get going, but I uh, I just we have not heard his name called all that much early on in the season, and and we know he's a stud and and he's got a ton of ability, so he'll get it going. But defensively, that's who I'd like to see a little bit more out of. Ryan, who are the players that you want to see a little bit more out of? From the offensive side of the ball, I'm going to go with uh, Nakua. I think, I mean, obviously, he had that big touchdown this past weekend. Uh, but I, I think overall, I've been a little bit disappointed. He, he's had a couple of drops in some key situations and just uh, hasn't been as effective as I think he's been in the past or he, he could be. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I'm going to go with uh, number five, Tariq Lewis. I think uh, I think all of us had some more expectations for him, and I, and I re- he just got burned over and over again against USC. Well, and, and he really was one of the guys that helped facilitate the move from Blackman from corner yeah. to the safety yeah. position because they were confident in what he could do over there. But uh, he and maybe part of how he, why he struggled at USC is he he he's not a very tall guy, and those USC receivers are are monsters, but. Uh, yeah, I think we could see a little bit more out of him. Uh, for my two guys, offense, I, I got to go with Simpkins. I mean that that I think that drop ball in the end zone. Ugly. When that happened, I was like, "Oh, I don't. I hope that doesn't come back to bite Utah." Especially uh, well, when we followed up with a missed field goal. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, uh, it, it didn't. But but here's a guy who, who's a senior. He had a really promising freshman year and and he, i mean i'm not trying to talk crap on him or, or, or put him down because i know how hard he's working and he he is a, a good wide receiver but i i kind of want to see him take that next step and then on the defensive side i'm kind of thinking those along the same lines as you scott i'm going with uh, mika tafua i've always been high on 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 mika since last season only six tackles on the year only one sack again i know that's one position we talked about in the off season about about having that opposite side of Bradley and I with Mika Tafua and, and Max Tupai. Um, to, to your point, Scott, it's just not really producing there. Hopefully, you know, during the bye week, they can kind of build that up. Uh, my two players that I think are exceeding expectations right now and, and I want to see more of after the bye week. Brian Thompson, I know we heard a lot about him, but didn't really have a lot of playing time. But now he's taking full advantage of all the reps he's getting, really leading that wide receiving group, and been a great weapon downfield uh, for Huntley. And on the defensive side of the ball, Francis Bernard. And I know he got a lot of talk because uh, of what he did at BYU, but not really having a, lo- a lot of reps last season. And then and then Utah losing Manny Bowen, a lot of put a lot of pressure got I think got put on Francis Bernard's shoulder to kind of lead that group. And I think he's been playing extremely well. Scott, who are your two your two standouts? Yeah, offensively, I mean, there's there's a number of guys we could you could go with and and kind of uh, and and target on this. But for me, I'm I'm really impressed with Derek Vickers, kind of a guy who came out of nowhere. We really didn't know what to expect from him because it seems like we recruited him and he committed to us like four years ago. 
And due to a number of reasons, he wasn't able to come, and then he wasn't going to come, and then he then he was just a just quite the ordeal to get him to Utah. He stayed, he stayed uh, committed and faithful the whole time. Ends up here, finally gets his chance, and and it's not like he's a focal point of this offense, but you're seeing his his um, opportunities grow week in and week out. He's got to make really good speed. He's averaging seven point five yards a carry. Got his first college uh, career touchdown last week, so to me, he's he's coming on, and he's he's been a bright spot for uh, for for the offense. Defensively, I'm going to go with Terrell Burgess. I mean, kind of another guy who who has been in the program a, a number of years. He's a senior, and it wasn't until this year that he finally got an opportunity to start. But man, he was solid against Washington State. Had a couple pass breakups, great coverage. And he just he, he he seems to always be in position. He he really has not gotten beat. Um, and he had that pick against USC. Um, really one of the few bright spots of uh, of the secondary in that game. So I I think he's doing a ter- tremendous job at uh, at the safety position. So that's that's where I'm going. Right, who do you got on offense? I'm gonna go with uh, number seven DHC. Uh, I think. Uh, do obviously due to the injury to Zach Moss, we're seeing some other guys get some carries. But I think, as we kind of alluded to earlier in the podcast, he's he's maybe starting to separate himself, and he's uh, he's doing great. He's running between the tackles. He's got speed to the outside, and I think he, he he's a weapon that they need to use. Even when Moss comes back, I think uh, they still will continue to use him. For my defensive standout, I'm going with Jalen Johnson, he's playing really well. Got a couple of picks. I think he'll end up with a few more on the season, and uh, you know he's he's the lockdown corner. I like it, and and obviously we want to hear uh, from you on players that you kind of want to see a little bit more, and players that you think are exceeding expectations right now. And you can hit us up on Twitter at Utah Man Podcast. All right, and as we wrap up the show, as we always do, we do a little pick 'em game with Pack Twelve teams, and before we do that, we want to give a shout out to the 12-Pack Radio podcast, and here's a little message from them. Hey, Ute fans, it's Brian with 12-Pack Radio. Like you, we're big fans of the Utah Man podcast and are glad you're tuning in. If you're jonesing for some additional Pac-12 coverage, then check out our show, 12-Pack Radio, with Sports Illustrated Gambling's Max Meyer. We use advanced stats, hold free contests, and provide an in-depth look at the Conference of Champions. And we're high on the Utes, so we've had Cam and Scott on the show multiple times. Not Ryan, though. He's in the boo box. But if you're looking for some Utah love, we're happy to oblige. We've had great guests, and it's a good show. So search for 12-Pack Radio anywhere you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at 12 pack radio. That's one, two PAC radio. So be sure to check them out on your favorite pack podcatcher. Uh, they do a great job. And I know I always go in, uh, I always listen to them to kind of stay up on the pack 12 once going around. So last week, Ryan, you and I tied went three and one Scott, you went two and two. Never, never. I, I, I took a flyer on UCLA. Never again. Chip. Shouldn't do it. Never, Shouldn't ch- do never it. again. And Cal, oh, oh, mobster. Dude. That's all I got to say about that. So the first game we're doing this week, Oregon State's traveling to the A-clap of the UCLA. UCLA is a five-point favorite as we're recording this. Scott, it's your week to go first. Who do you got? Can I Can I plead the fifth on this game? Can they, I think they're both capable of losing we can only hope. Neither, neither one really deserves a win. 
but uh, UCLA burned me last week, so I'm going to go with Oregon State. Right. I'm going to keep Scott on the bottom here, and I'm going to take the lead, but I'm picking UCLA to win this one. Speaking of which, I didn't give the standings. Um, on the season, I'm 9-7. and seven. You guys are tied at 8-8 eight and eight until Scott loses this week, and he'll be in dead last where he belongs. I'm going to go with the Beavers on this one. I still think UCLA's garbage, and so I will always pick against them. Wait a sec. He says, I, I'm going to lose this week, and he just picked the same team I did. The next game we're looking at, Washington's traveling to Stanford. Washington is a 15-point favorite. I mean, are we taking Washington across the board? dub. Yep. All right, Washington across the board. And last game we're looking at, I think this is actually going to be a really good game, uh, one I'm looking forward to watching. Arizona Wildcats traveling to Boulder to play the Buffs. Colorado three and a half point favorite. Ryan, what do you got? Uh, being at Colorado, I think I got to go with Colorado. And I, but I think a lot of it determined will be determined if uh, Tate can play. Obviously, he didn't play last week against UCLA. If he plays, I think it's a tough, tougher matchup for Colorado. But I still think Colorado wins it. Scott. Yeah, I'm going Colorado on this. Arizona, just they don't have much firepower at the moment. Colorado has been giving up some points, but, man, they can score them. So being at home, I'm, I got the buffs. As I said, I think this is going to be a really good game, one I'm kind of looking forward to. I thought I'd never say that, talking about these two teams. But I agree with Brian. Being in Boulder, with Tate kind of being banged up, I think, and I really like what Montez is doing right now, so I'll take Colorado. If we fast forward to next week, we all just pick the same team, so we're all going to still be in the same situation. Ryan took UCLA. Oh, you did take UCLA? Mm-hmm. Oh. All right, so that will do it for this episode. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. Drum, the letter N, Feather. And Scott? You can find me dancing on the ceiling. No, you can find me... Where you found me last week, same place, Uteman underscore forever. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast. And be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and leave us a review. And you can always find us at our home at utahmanpodcast.com. And go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. We'll be till I die. Kayai. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah. Yes, was it better than USC? But me, the three of us going out there and playing in the backyard would be better than what USC did. It, I know that didn't make any sense. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> what? Let's go with that. <laughs>